have you not got box money? Because if you've got box money, you can drink all the Budweiser you want. Not just Budweiser. We've got spirits up in there. They're yakking in the, in the boxes. <laughs> but if you haven't got box money, you better get yourself outside that zone over to the fire Festival <laughs> and watch a game on a screen. We, that's it. We've we, a lion. <laughs> Welcome to Black in a Box, the world is told by black faces in white spaces. And this week in new spaces, Alana, you good? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm PMSing to be honest, so slightly uh, emotional. Anything could happen today. Yeah. I've got a few spots that might be in like 4K because we're recording, but we move. So. I can't wait to agree with everything you say today. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, res- I, res- I respect you for keeping it real, though. You kept it real. Though. You could have just, you know, bottled that up. It's that this is it's an open space. Gotta keep yeah. it real. It's also the first day of Sagittarius season, so gotta uh, keep it real. What does that mean? Don't worry, we'll go through it later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, Scully will text in. <laughs> let us know what Sag season is really about. Dom. Yeah, man. All good. All good. I'm happy. I'm alive, I'm healthy. What else can I say? I'm good. Nice. Crispy. Thank you. You got you got any any more travelling lined up? You know what? I'm bowing out for the year. I'm bowing out. You've had a good run. Nine trips. You've had a good run. That is it's egregious behaviour. Uh it's too many and three big trips in the last two months I've had to duck out. But it's been a wonderful ride. It's been a wonderful ride. Carbon footprint is doing a madness right now though, so Ooh. we are out until We'll we'll give it until spring. We'll be back in spring. Yeah, we'll be back. Cop twenty three. <laughs> Jello, how are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, good. Just uh, busy days. You know, go leave the house in darkness, return in darkness. Sagittarius season, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling good. Looking good. There was a rugby return. The streets are saying. Street, streets is right. Streets is saying that there's a new fly half doing the business. A new old fly half. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not get it twisted. But, mate, good to see you back out there on your own terms. Definitely. That's it. That's all it was about, really. I can retire now. Are you wearing a silk shirt? No, I'm wearing my jacket indoors because uh, I like to feel like a doorman in this jacket. <laughs> you, you do look like you could be one. Yeah, guarding the bookshelf. <laughs> Knowledge is power. He knows it. Do I look like I'm in a cave in Torabora? I think it was Torobora actually so I'm actually going to boot this up before we get into anything too deep by saying I am fuming so my niece Chizomo I tell people this and people do not believe me right I think you two met her at Carnival this year she had her first Carnival at 8 absolutely loved it and it's weird because the carnival, I never really associate carnival with children. And then I went, I was like, imagine how sick that would be if you were a kid to actually go. Mm. When people usually say family day, it's usually the, the, the day you don't have to worry about <laughs> getting in beef. But it actually <laughs> is a family day. And you, you yeah. actually saw that for the first time at close. And that's where you first met her. Anyway, Chizzy, she's been on BBC Radio about nearly, must be 20 something times now. She like she first did Sunrise Selector. Nadia J, shout out Nadia J. You can come on our show <laughs> when you invite me on your show and stop inviting my little niece who's eight. They all had to get like child protection training so she could go on. Yeah. She chose three songs, madness. Honestly, she comes up with these songs herself and no one believes her. Like she was on again today. She was on with Munya. That's so dope. <laughs> Munya <laughs> Chihuahua. It like what is going on? Your niece is going clear. Exactly. She's on there. She's speaking Zimbabwean to him. He doesn't know Zimbabwean. And he <laughs> showed her up live on it. Showed him up live on air. Love oh, that. Oh, no. So I'm on beef. She's she's into his DMs. They're going to make a I'm not, spoiler alert. Just saying there might be a song. <laughs> I'm just saying there might be a song. Could be a collab. We've got, so. a, new, we've got a new host coming as well by the looks of it. Bro, I'm, we're going to premiere that on our TikTok channel. Do not worry. <laughs> I was on radio once. Really? Choice FM, back in the day. Oh, wow. Calling. Lloyd Banks won his album. Not G-Unit Lloyd Banks. <laughs> G-Unit Lloyd Banks. 
Yeah, we... I had to say what the number 10 song on his album was, and I won a signed copy of The Hunger For More. Me and Lloyd Banks, like, bench and batty, mate. Honestly, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. I've oh, we never heard of this. Yeah, I keep that one in the top. <laughs> honestly. Well, there you go. So, Cheesy, Munya, we're going to bring you on soon. But on my air, I want to talk about something, I guess, related. We're talking about comedians this episode, and they both come to the fore for different reasons. Um, I think the way I look at it is people often question, like, what is the role of a comic? And we have all these lofty goals. People say, oh, this is supposed to be truth to power. You know, they're supposed to be comics. They want to just stick, them, stick to their jokes. And I once saw, heard someone say, John Stewart, using Jester's privilege to say something profound, was the worst thing to happen to US late night TV because it then gave a seriousness to an entire generation of sort of presenter comics when they simply do not deserve it. And I was sort of inclined to agree. And I think that now, you know, people say we take them all seriously. Some of them are decidedly unserious is how I view the second person we're going to talk about today. But the first person, Dave Chappelle, I think has earned the right in his career to always be sort of read with good intentions and with an expectation that he's going to say something which is worth listening to. So Dave is viewed in a complicated light these days. His most recent specials and... <sighs> Look at the turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> I like that my heart is racing. Just like, I'm like sweating. Well, oh my gosh. We've spoken about a couple of them because I'm, I'm not sure whether it was two or three where he's so perceptive on other matters and I know Jal's got his views on 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 how important it is and how how clear eyed he is when he's talking on issues of race that when he went to speak about about trans issues and 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 it was really jarring to watch him get stuck on that and you just saw every like three special after special after special of him struggling to understand the issues that people had with what he was saying. Um and now he's back and he took to Saturday Night Live timely to talk about well it was, it was his monologue stuff. to talk mm-hmm. about stuff the backdrop of it was Kanye and Kanye's thing with Jewish people and the backdrop to that was Kyrie and Kyrie and his uh, his 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 personal journey to enlightenment, which... Personal it, journey to self-destruction, it seems like, at this stage. Bro, rooted in ignorance. So, Kyrie Irving is a basketball player for the New York Nets. Um, Brooklyn Nets, mate. For the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> um, as, a, as a Knicks fan, I'm just trying to slowly co-opt <laughs> the Nets as well. The only good thing about the city. <laughs> exactly. And he's famously... he. he he's, considered himself as this uh, <laughs> enlightened fellow you've got to laugh <laughs> he was talking he was a flat earther no yeah he just knows more than we do yeah he was a flat earther pre- well, not to say previously he is a flat earther just hasn't spoken about it for a while mm. move uh, on to other nonsense yeah during covid he was an anti-vaxxer and mm-hmm. to be honest to his credit he refused to go into the bubble to play the tournament because in in protest of what was going on in America at the time at, in the the wake of George Floyd and to be fair to him his credentials um around backing causes which he feel deserved them within the black community he's he puts his money where his mouth is he uh, walks it like he talks it but he just talks a lot of shit succinct there and lies the issue exactly so most recently Kyrie was on one and he Retweeted a link to a film which can which just packed with anti-Semitic sort of tropes. Um, I don't know if he's is he a black Israelite. I'm not. I'm not sure. But the, I'm not the, even opening that kind of. Yeah. The, the the film was called From Hebrews to Negroes. Anyway, as a result of that, Kyrie was suspended by his team, the Brooklyn Nets. A lot of people sort of agreed with that, but then some people disagreed with the way following his suspension, he was made to 
adhere to a number of conditions in order to get his way back into the team. Following on from that, Kanye, racist rant, talking about how Jews were in control and they were, they were stopping him from progressing, all the familiar sort of anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic tropes that we're used to hearing about. Dave Chappelle enters center stage doing his monologue on Saturday Night Live, which should be said he's run by Lorne Michaels, um, who is a Jewish gentleman. And in the monologue, he basically went on to, I guess, draw attention to the to the way that certain uh, groups are, are viewed with, with particular stereotypes and how those stereotypes are then sort of reflected back. And he talks about the, di- the difference between correlation and causation. Predictably, this caused a lot of division uh, among, in, among society. And yeah, at first, I guess I want to talk about the fallout around that and, and, and our views on that. What was your response to hearing that Dave Chappelle um, monologue? Um, I saw the fallout before I actually watched what he said. So I guess I want to be like a tad careful here just because I thought it was going to be a lot more offensive than I found it to be. Now, there were things that I found really annoying and problematic. Um, And just for some context, I so my background, you guys are going to make fun of me because it's like one of the 511 things I am. (laughs) But genuinely, like my whole dad's side of the family is Jewish. Parts of my mom's family is Jewish. Um, Growing up. You've got an alibi for anything that you could ever say. I really do. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and obviously I am, I'm, I'm black as well. So I, the main thing that I always, or that I found kind of annoying with Dave, which is also the thing that I found annoying when he was on his sort of like rants about, um, trans people was that there was just such a lack of nuance in the conversation. And it was somebody who, I really don't like this sort of us versus them thing that he's been doing recently. Like, oh, it's black versus Jews or it's black people versus queer people. And it's like, okay, well, this, first of all, is inaccurate, but also erases so much nuance there because obviously there are people who are both of these things. And furthermore, this is somebody... You can be all three. Yeah, yeah. I don't tick quite all the boxes, but (laughs) (laughs) you never know, maybe. Um, But... Um, yeah, I, I find that annoying. I find it, I find it takes away a lot of, um, important conversation. I also think that it is relying on old stereotypes that I think are kind of tired in terms of trying to make comedy out of them. So for me, it was more like, this is Dave Chappelle. This is what he does. He takes tropes of different ethnicities and races. And so I, I wasn't particularly surprised. I wasn't strongly offended. Um, but I, I did. I mean, I see the problems with it, but he's been, you know, he's Dave Chappelle. Like he is problematic. <laughs> so I think the same thing about Dave Chappelle in some ways, I think about the second topic, which is that um as somebody that is in a minority myself, I think it's always important to listen to minorities on what they say because just because it it may not hit me as offensive, mm. um, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. I'm not the person that's at the end of that. Um, I think that it, it was it was in some ways better than some of the stuff that he did on trans issues, but but but. But it, as Alana said, it lacks nuance. The problem for Dave Chappelle is this. Dave Chappelle started doing comedy in a very binary era where things were one thing or another. And what he did was bring some nuance to it. So he was so far ahead of the game. If you look back to his, especially his second stand-up for what it's worth, you know, that iconic sketch, How Old Is 15, really, when he kind of pointed out how the, the, the black kid wanted the purple stuff, um, we talked about drink there was there was a level of nuance which for a world in which things were either one thing or another was um revelationary and obviously that kind of reaches its kind of apex with the Chappelle show and a lot of the stuff that he did there which was really pushing the envelope is now pretty 
basic. So, you know, the racial draft back then, revolutionary now, pretty basic. And I think the problem is, is that he was a person that was right on the edge pushing stuff. And actually, because he was good, he then becomes mainstream. And then there are other people that are pushing the envelope. So we, we have a more nuanced understanding now of race. We have a more nuanced understanding of how class can intersect with race and wealth can intersect with race. And so Dave now finds himself in this position where he still can make jokes. He's still funny. He still understands the nuts and bolts of comedy. But he's not on the cutting edge like he used to be. And then the other thing, of course, is that people will clap back now. We do have social media and people will go, that's nonsense, and they can be heard. Um, because, let's be honest, the large parts of that were funny. And it's, you know, the, the part that he did directly after talking about Kyrie was about Herschel Walker. That bit killed and, me, I'm Georgia. not going to lie. That was so funny. But that was a black guy talking yeah, about a black guy. Exactly. And, I actually don't think some of the joke. There was one joke he made in particular, which he could only make because he is black. You could you could not allude, and, and I haven't seen many comedians, white comedians, allude to the fact that Herschel Walker is identifiably stupid. <laughs> he is identi- <laughs> that that guy has spent his spent his working career in slapped upside the head by guys that were like 24, 25 stone. He left some of his brain out there on the pitch. <laughs> you were talking about the vampire movie the other day. Please tell me you've seen um, that clip. Yeah. I was watching this movie called Fright Night, Sweet Night, or sometime tonight, but it was about vampires. I don't know if you know vampires are cool people, are they not? But I'm telling you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire, did you know that? I never knew that, so I didn't want to be a vampire anymore, I want to be a werewolf. So it just actually comes to their home. He got all the right stuff because you know you gotta have a steak, you gotta have a thing to, to kill him in the heart. And he got a necklace of garlic, so that worked. And walked upstairs and this vampire looking real good in this black suit. Whoa, that sounds like Senator Warnock, doesn't it? Looking all good in this black suit. But my point is that didn't hit my ears as racist. But if John Stewart had made those jokes, that might have been an issue. But I don't think John Stewart would make those jokes. Dave Chappelle, when he's talking about the nuances of anti-black racism is still, I honestly think he should go down as one of the great thinkers about anti-black racism. And and I would literally put him up there with like Tanahasi Coates. The problem is the second he steps away from his field of research, it sounds like a scientist trying to educate somebody on Shakespeare. Um, and you can be really, really smart about something, but that doesn't give you that general overview. You have to continue to do the work. And I just don't know that he has, and instead he seems to, because what did he end it on? Kind of cancel culture. <laughs> My guy, you got paid 60 million and counting from Netflix. You've just gone on to the Lorne Michaels show. You're not being canceled. Like, but Yeah, it's hard to talk about things, but that's because we should take care to listen to what people say and take care, of, take care to hear how people are being hurt. That's my views. Hmm. Do you think this is not me pushing back, this is just me thinking out loud? The part they talked about, if you speak about a bunch of black people, or there's black people doing something, it's a gang. If you, if it's Italian people, it's a mob. And if it's Jewish people, it's a coincidence. Do you think <laughs> some of that yeah. might be born out of frustration in terms of the way that black people get branded when they do something that's not necessarily positive i mean it's a beautiful joke right it's a beautiful setup because if you only take me and dan were talking about this there's um the clip from uh, dan avatar if you only take issue with the last bit you kind of passively accept that it's okay to call italians mobs and black people yeah. gangs which is just as not just i don't want to say it's just as problematic but it is is problematic to kind of label see me you see us all walking down the street and go gang um that's that's ridiculous. The the problem is is that at the end of certain stereotypes is violence. For black people, the idea that we are gang members and in America, you know, you're packing heat or whatever, you know, you can get killed because a cop is scared when he pulls you over. Mm. You know. Um with with uh Jewish people, at the end of those at the end of those conspiracies is marches with tiki torches saying Jews will not replace us is the fact that um, anti-semitic hate crimes are at like the highest levels since the second world war like there is real real victims about so I'm not saying you shouldn't joke about anything but like kind of consider the 
intended and unintended consequences of that. And yeah, Dave can be frustrated about it, but like he kind of made this joke about, you know, I've been to Hollywood, there's a lot of Jews. Do you know what there's more of in Hollywood? Christians. <laughs> there are significantly more Christians in Hollywood. But people don't kind of go, oh, there's a lot of Christian people making stuff. I wonder how that affects the art that we see coming out of Hollywood. Yeah. Because Jews are a, a kind of, it's easy to point at Jews because they are a minority. And you go, well, I can see a Jew here. I can see a Jew there. But actually, if, if Dave wanted to really turn his sights to something, he would turn it to Christians. But of course, people don't do that. To be fair, that was in reference to the topic at hand. I, I guess, which is why he said that he was. It's the the topic at hand was was what's been going on with Kanye, and the backdrop of Carrie as well. Which is why he said that rather than. I, well, it's not like a special where he's picked that as a topic. That's just what he talks about current things, right? It wouldn't surprise me if that's next though, we'll, we'll because s- he seems to have this thing. And I'm again speaking as someone. It's no secret to anyone that listens to or is in this podcast. Like everyone knows what I think of Dave Chappelle and the impact he's had on me. In in um in my consumption of his work, um, but what I'm getting tired of now, what I am tired of now, is the fact that he seems to do this thing where, like we've talked about it before, like the disadvantaged Olympics. Like yes, black people have had it terribly and do have it terribly. Other people do as well, and we can all help each other. We can all kind of be a shoulder for others to cry on that are in a similar situation it doesn't have to be our turn then your turn then your turn and i wouldn't be surprised if off the back of the the um monologue that he did on snl and the backlash that he's had from it if that does take up a huge part of his next special i think the only thing that might potentially prevent that from being the case is that so many of his contemporaries and seemingly close friends of his look at john stewart are jewish people as well because as much as he talks about Daphne being a good friend of his, how many trans friends does Dave Chappelle really have? Let's yeah, yeah. And, and that was the thing, too, is like you have people within show business in Hollywood, which they were specifically talking about, who mm. are Jewish and they're comedians and some people who are kind of like, this is hilarious. And then, of course, you have the other side where there were people who were like, I don't find this funny at all. I think there's yeah. anti-Semitism throughout this whole thing. So I think that's probably where some of that um, conflict is with people don't really know how to feel about it and why this is kind of a tricky one to dissect because again, like I said, I, was I personally offended by what he said? Not, not really. And I think, and it's also interesting for me because growing up in such close proximity to Hollywood and having actually loads of Jewish friends, it, it was like, even within my Jewish community, these were sort of stereotypes that were joked about as well, like how black people will joke about things within black culture and Jewish people joke about things in Jewish culture. But there is a there's nothing malicious there. And there is a there is the joke is the fact that it's so absurd. Like there might be some truth to it, but it, it ultimately it's absurd and it's exaggerated. The problem, which I think Angela was also pointing out, is when some of the people that are an audience to those jokes Mm -hmm. don't they're not finding it absurd they're taking it more as a truth it's when the laugh sounds different when the wrong people are laughing to it which is why it's surprising that dave should know that more than anyone (laughs) and this keeps coming up yeah what he preached about he keeps doing he keeps doing that exact same thing or at least making his audience do that and that's not that's not fair it's hypocritical yeah yeah, I th- I think his argument would be though, and like it like it, what you're saying or not, it's, it's, it seems to be true. He's he he's turned his he's literally he's turned his sights on seemingly everyone at, yeah. at this point, which is which is the strange thing about it. And I guess he, what he seemed to be taking issue was with was, I guess the standards applied to the center of that behavior when it's a black man. And I've seen a few people talked about this, Shannon Shouts talked about this, particularly in Kyrie's case, there's been two people ever indefinitely suspended from the NBA for their actions. And it's Ime Odoka and Kyrie Irving. And all the time that the NBA has been around, that anyone's done anything. 
And I think he's, he sort of takes issue with this view that they'll be treated differently. So I think that is, I feel like that that's one of the reasons he's, he's, he's t- tries to take up for it. And it becomes this contest where we have to go through this again compared to other people when uh, that, that shouldn't actually, shouldn't be the case. But multiple things can be right. You know right why that's so particularly time, ridiculous? Go but ahead, also, if we, if we do want to do an oppression Olympics, there's only one <laughs> gold medal winner. And that's the Gypsy Roman Traveller community because they don't even get to be heard in these conversations. Like, their way of life has literally been made illegal. You can still put them at the butt of your jokes. Like, say something bad about black people now and see how long it's going to take for you to start losing things. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Say something bad about the Jewish community. It's going to happen. The Gypsy Roman Traveller community, we don't need, we, it wasn't even, it didn't even get debated in Parliament when they passed through the law that essentially made their way of living illegal in this country. And that happened not 50 years, not 20 years, but two, like less than two years ago. So I, it's, it's a stupid game to play, full stop. It's a particularly stupid game to play because the fact that there are prominent black people and prominent Jewish people means that this topic will get in. Um, and I just get so frustrated because actually it is the Gypsy Roma Traveller community in this country that is the most stood on. You can still make jokes at their expense in normal society and there is no consequence to it. And that is very frustrating for me. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think though that makes it... Uh, we shouldn't play the game, but it, we, we should definitely talk about it. There's not there's not a conversation about that. Um, and it's it's going to emerge more with the sort of second topic we talk about in David Baddiel and the, the the view that you know it's he's in his perception uh, Jewish voices Jews don't count he had a book he's got a documentary I'm sure a film's going to follow but um, he's been criticised for, for that you know that very viewpoint is, is pretty much rendered a bit ridiculous by his own actions and and you know we'll get into that later on but as you say there are other communities which truly have been made invisible uh just by sort of modern modern living so we, we you know it's a, it is an episode of two comedians um our second comedian loosely term it uh is david Bedil made famous during the 90s for his TV show with Frank Skinner, Fantasy Football, Three Lines on a Shirt, all that stuff, interviews, sketches, the most infamous one being the one involving Nottingham Forest footballer Jason Lee, where during which David Baddiel blacked up, put a pineapple on his head and played a role pretty much every episode for maybe a season and a half of this incompetent, ignorant, stupid, slow, untalented black man on BBC Two every week without any kind of shame. And this is something which people have understandably <laughs> raised, it, taken issue with through this man's career as he sort of segued from being a comedian into uh, becoming the sort of most... Um, prominent voice on anti on sort of anti-jewish racism on anti-semitism he wrote a book called jews don't count that book has been made into a documentary called jews don't count 25 years later at which point he understood he had to finally address the jason lee um sort of stench that had been following his career around in in the sort of twitter comments Mm -hmm. And he acknowledged he had to apologise for this thing to have any kind of credibility. Yeah. Um. It's, I think there's there's a, there's a, there are a few different things at play here. Uh, at this point, I'm going to give the floor over to you, Angelo. So, for as, for context for the listeners, new ones, old ones, I'm the oldest member of this group um, by a number of years. And when that show came out, it was at the time that I was going from primary school to secondary school. Whilst those of you that have seen me know that I now have my hair in twists, I actually, from about the age of 15 until the time that I left full-time teaching, cut my hair off. And the second I left, the first thing I did was grow it back. When I went to secondary school, that show was in its pomp. And let us not forget, it was one of the biggest shows 
in the country. Let us not forget that David Baddiel was one of the biggest personalities in this country. He is still making bank off the song that he and Frank Skinner and the Lightning Seeds wrote, Three Lions on a Shirt. So this is not some little old me. This is not some small comedian. Like, his impact was absolutely huge. This show is called Black in a Box. Our tagline is the world is told by black faces in white spaces. I grew up in a white community. The one thing I had that made me so proud was my hair because my hair was in twists. It was a thing that kind of, I knew something of the history of it, of protective hairstyles of how it went back to kind of Western Africa. I went from primary school to secondary school. I was so proud of my hair. And going to secondary school, I used to have he's got a pineapple stuck on his head chanted. I used to be um, mocked as a Jason Lee type and slow and uh, ungainly, even though I wasn't. I was a talented sportsman. The shit that he did rippled. It took him 25 years to apologize. And I'll be honest, I'm confused. I'm confused because you see me, I'm a minority. If somebody says that thing that you did is disrespectful to my um, to my people, I don't have to reach far to go, how would I feel if that happened to me? He has for a long time um, spoken about the Jewish issue that, that he sees in this country. To be clear, I think that he has every right to talk about the Jewish issues in this country and in the world. I do think that there is a significant proportion of people that believe that Jews run the world and believe in all of these anti-Semitic tropes. And to be clear, I do think that is racist. The difference is, if you say something anti... You cannot build your career, I don't believe, off of being anti-Semitic in the way that so many people literally built their career off anti-black racism. He's asked in the Jason Lee uh, podcast why it's taken him so long. And one, of, he said a lot of things, and I, I listened... And one of the things he said was, by the time I was kind of made aware of it, it was taking off. And then he kind of segs away. But it was clear. I was making bank off of doing it. So it made it very difficult for me to apologize. And don't forget, he's not the only one. He talks about how Avid Marion um, did that horrendously Lee Francis. Uh, Lee racist Francis, depiction. Yeah. Lee Francis, yes, uh, playing the character Avid Marion, did that horrendously racist depiction of him. It did not ruin his career. It ruined Craig David's career. It absolutely ruined Craig David's career. He has spoken about it. Um, I would argue Ali G did exactly the same thing. He he played on this caricature of blackness. Um, the the ball, the uh, Matt Lucas and um, oh, David Williams. Yeah. The the anti-black racism is the point. They have built their career specifically off of that. That's the point. And 12-year-old me suffered from the impact of that. Mm. Now, there are those that will go, oh, you shouldn't, you know, your your story is, is, is a story, but it's not data. We can go and look into the data of anti-black racism. We can look at who's at the bottom of league tables for education. We can look at the discrimination. We can look at the number of black people in prison. I'm not saying, of course, that David Baddiel is responsible for all of that. Or any of that, in fact. I'm saying that as one of the most prominent comedians in the country, to do a sketch that, that specifically was anti-black racist, and to realise in about 2004, when um, the joke about him came online, and for it to then take another 18 years, means that I just don't think, <laughs> whilst, he, whilst he absolutely can, he absolutely can talk about anti-Semitism, anti-Jewish racism, he cannot speak in any nuanced way because if it takes me 18 years, if it takes any person 18 years, when everybody in that group that you have offended is saying that's offensive, for you to do an in-person apology, for me, that's invalidating. Well, I think on top of that as well is you said 18 years. My man was in his 30s when he did that. 32. <laughs> he was 32 years old when he blacked up. Right, if you're telling me that a 32-year-old can't recognise what is wrong with what he's doing at the age of 32 then i'm gonna find any apology that comes afterwards disingenuous because like you knew that it was bad when you did it then but how many times have we all made a laugh at somebody else's make a joke at somebody else's expense because we know we're gonna get a cheap laugh we've all done it 
if you're going to get a cheap laugh and notoriety and this level of fame that he ended up with, then you're not going to stop it. But don't act like you weren't aware that it was a bad thing when you were doing it or that you've grown as a person to get to this point to apologise. It's bullshit. I'm not buying that one bit. Mm. Frank Skinner had the had the at least had the the shame to to say he was like he was ashamed of himself at the time online. Didn't probably hasn't said it in person to Jason Lee, but at least he had the had the had the shame to say it. And it just the 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 things David Video is saying just they don't stack up. <laughs> they don't stack up in, in, at all as the actions of someone who was going through some sort of moral metamorphosis as a human being. He said, stuff happened to me in the the, the, the podcast. Like, stuff happened to me after that, which made me realise how you must have felt. And that would that must have been when he was 40 years old. <laughs> Why was yeah. it like this great awakening? Now, the incident in which he cites as a turning point for himself was, obviously there was the, the incident, as you say, with Lee Francis. Um, sorry, the, the sketch with Lee Francis. And then after that, I think he said he'd gone to Stamford Bridge with his brother yeah. around sort of the late the late 2010s. 2008. 2008. 2008. And him and his brother, brother Ivor confronted the guy who said, fuck off, Jew, during a Spurs fixture. Now, I find it incredible. If you, if you watch this podcast, it's quite, it's quite a difficult watch because Jason Lee, incredibly dignified man, and he holds him fully accountable just yeah. not let him wriggle off the hook but it's incredible to me like to watch this man who's he's got the front to draw this kind of kindred victimhood yeah. when he says that it's like oh well you know i found it incredible that you know we have this shared experience of having our ethnic background both used against us and i was like yeah by, by you <laughs> yeah mm. by mm. you and this that's there's just that missing piece of of ownership of his own behavior it's like he's had this out of body experience in the in the the late sort of 1990s and now he's this different man and and also it's not accurate to say that they're having the same experience because you have one person who has experienced racism and has been made the butt of this joke um when he's a young guy and he's trying to be a successful footballer is successful and his career and I think Jason it's Jason Lee yeah he is he says that that most successful period of his life was completely overshadowed Mm. by this sort of being made into a farce yeah and that is something that he'll never get back like that time is gone. Like you want to talk about reparations or like corrective action or that will never, he'll never get those years back. And while he says he's very proud of it and he looks back on those years fondly, it's that a is a said big about his mom as well. That was really- chunk. Of, yeah. And to see your parents seeing how you're being ridiculed, yeah. the fact that he had to explain to his young kids why people were yelling at him in mm. the streets. I mean, that is, you can't, undo those actions so no matter what Badil has experienced in his middle ages mm. <laughs> it's never going to it, it pales in comparison to what his actions have done to this person it's, it's so frustrating that he's managed to be elevated to this point without anyone really pulling his coat this is the first time he's faced any kind of pushback on what he's done because this is the conversation now his 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 message is absolutely timely and it couldn't have come at a better time no. but unfortunately mm-hmm. he is not the champion for that message that's yeah. what annoyed me so much because i was watching the documentary um and the whole time i was watching it i mean there was there were several points in it that i thought were lacking a certain level of nuance which we've come to expect from these conversations now um i think this the part where he was speaking to his niece and she was pointing out that there is a certain protection that a lot of Jewish people are afforded in that a lot of them can pass for being a white man or a white woman versus her who is mixed half black, half Jewish. And she says it herself when her, if her black parent was to get stopped over by stopped by the police, she would feel very differently versus if her white parent was to be stopped by the police. 100%. That I level relate of to nuance. That. Yeah, 100% <laughs> that is there. 
that was, I think, kind of either overlooked in the analysis that he did for the documentary or was intentionally left out, I think, because he didn't look very receptive of that when, when she spoke to it. And that's her speaking to her experience as well. But the reason this annoys me so much is that if they had somebody who didn't have such a checkered past that mm. was leading this documentary, it's an incredibly powerful piece of TV. Yeah. Because so many people don't know what they don't know. Like, I'll be completely honest. I... I've got several Jewish friends. One of my best friends that I was at uni with lived with him for how many years? So we've had conversations about anti-Semitism. I've done a lot of learning through my conversations with him, but I didn't realise the full extent to which this goes on. I didn't. I learned a lot from this documentary. But the fact now that we've got this person who was leading it, when there was an opportunity for so many people to learn and just learn rather than start to point fingers and question this person's background and there's a much broader conversation that's happening around it, it's such a wasted opportunity. And surely the people, I know obviously it's because he had the book in the first place, which is why this has been commissioned, but you just got to think a little bit more deeply. If you actually do want to action change, if you want to make something better in the world, then all of the pieces need to come together yeah. and actually work for it. You can't just say, okay, he wrote yeah. this book, it was a good book, this is the right person to do it. No, it's bullshit. Yeah. Miriam Margulies would have been better doing it, Bro, honestly. It's, it's, it's pernicious to avoid his past just because he's a name that you used to have exactly. around. That's, that's the BBC so all over. So frustrating. That's the BBC I mean, all over. again, like... It's, Channel 4. It was, <laughs> Channel 4. The, the, thing that, the, the thing that really kind Old of... time BBC sounds. In my craw, the thing that really sticks in my craw is the fact that the if he hadn't have had this documentary coming I don't think the impertinent apology would have come mm. and he talks about shame and all of that but also just a small thing the way he even came about went about the apology was really weird to me you're on somebody else's podcast and then you come in and set the term did like it, I found that very yeah you know it didn't sit right with me in the in the interview it, it um Jason Lee was interviewed by Will Unwin in the Guardian, and he said he like the guy just he just came up and he's like he just basically gobbled out this like apology straight away. He's like that showed it showed a weakness and it showed a lack of sort of strength and confidence in what he was saying, and that's that's exactly what it it felt to me. He's like I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna get this out. I'm just gonna get this out, and it, and it's gonna be done. Like he's he's a writer, so he's good with words, but you can always tell I feel when someone's insincere. With it, whether they're good with words or not, it's not an apology. Look, if I, if I, Dan, if I beat the hell out of you, and then I announce to everybody, I apologise, like how flipping Michael Scott says, I declare bankruptcy. Like <laughs> you, ha I haven't apologised to you. Like the fact that he's taking him so long to apologise in person tells tells you a lot about the man. Sorry, Don. Uh, no, I had a different office call in mind, and that's the direction <laughs> I was going. The episode where Dwight shoots a gun in the office. And he's been told to apologise. And he comes and he reads his statement of regret, which just says, <laughs> yeah. I state my regret. <laughs> That's what I was getting from this. It's like, right, look, I know for this documentary to have any, to like be held up as any kind of think piece on anti-Semitism, to have any kind of backbone, I need to go and do this. So I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get it out there so I can say I've done it. And that's what it felt like. It was like, you are just stating your regret because you need to, to keep your bag. And the other thing, so I think a true apology is it's not passive. Mm. It is an active thing. You need to take corrective action if you actually want to have a sincere apology. And I just mean it's to say I've done something harmful. I understand why it was harmful. I'm sorry that I've done that harm. And then here is how I'm going to correct it and avoid doing this again in the future. And Have you been I talking think... to Emma? It's <laughs> 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 <is> my script. <laughs> I do have it written down because I was like, "Ooh, this is fire!" I'm gonna say it. <laughs> but, no, but it is true. Like it, it that is a sincere apology, and I think he he was talking about doing those things, but then there was a point in the podcast with um, Jason where Jason, they they were talking about being allies and allyship and they were talking about supporting women's football just as equally as men's football and you know uh Badil was like oh yeah 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 me too I I also support that but then Jason was like when was the last time you were at a women's match 
like when did you actually take some action against what mm. you're saying here and he was like well yeah maybe to be fair i could probably i actually need to go but i, I tweet about it and it's just like it's so contradictory <laughs> like that, it's just bullshit that performatism. <laughs> the, the yeah. last two things that i'll say um the first one i'll say is that kind of i'll bring it back to my experience those those kids that mocked me and sang those songs um became the middle-aged men that birthed the youngsters that were writing racist stuff to our black footballers uh, when they missed penalties in the last Euros. That's the ripple effect. That's what not kind of apologizing in person and doing the restorative work does. And the similarity between David Baddiel and Dave Chappelle, I think, is that clearly Dave, David Baddiel is able to speak with some nuance about the, the different ways in which anti-semitism rears its ugly head and he is very ignorant of other forms of racism dave chappelle is able to speak in very nuanced ways about the impact of anti-black racism and he is not to the same degree but similarly ignorant about other forms and the problem is is that as you said dom we end up with oppression olympics where everybody is losing i agree i i just as well before we move on to whatever we go on to next I actually want to say, if you can try and divorce yourself from the fact that you're watching David Baddiel present this documentary, please watch it. And and the reason I say this is because if I speak from my own personal experience and then go back to 2020 as well, the amount of people who are progressive, and David Baddiel speaks so much about progressives in the documentary, who came to me and said, I had no idea. I think it made... It made it a lot easier to grasp when it was 2020 and George Floyd was murdered because you could see it, you could see effects with that. A man was murdered in cold blood because of the colour of his skin. And because of that, I think black, brown, Asian, whatever, if you are visibly different to other people, um, it's easier to understand violence that occurs against them. I think so many of us, myself definitely included in this, when it comes to anti-Semitism, when it comes to anti-Jewish hate crimes, because so many Jewish people do not necessarily look like the horrible, disgusting stereotypes that people post about Jewish people, it's easy to forget just how bad things are for them as well. We, we look at the Holocaust and it's kind of like, and then everything was good. That's yeah. not the case. And I think because of the fact that we are in a place of learning now where people are typically more open to understanding other people's situations and the things that they go through, do watch it. I learned some great things i learned some uncomfortable things um you just have to try and get away from the fact that it's somebody that shouldn't be presenting this documentary who is presenting it that's what i try and say to people i agree and i think just if you can give the jason lee absolutely podcast absolutely. Mm -hmm. a, a listen as well as i say it's, it's not the easiest watch but it's essential and it shows like as I said before, the dignity of that man and the sort of strength of character to give someone more grace than he deserves in my case, because, I mean, I don't always forgive, I don't always forget, um, but to, to his credit, he's been able to sort of move on with that and create a, a dialogue which is positive for everyone involved. What's going on out in the desert, Angelo? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so what happened for our listeners is um, I've made a decision that I'm not watching the World Cup. I'm painfully unbothered by it for a number of reasons. Uh, one, I've, I've been well served by global tournaments this year. I got to watch the Men's Rugby League World Cup. I got to watch the Women's Rugby League World Cup. I got to watch the Women's Euros. I got to watch the Women's Rugby Union World Cup. Some I got to watch the, uh, the, rugby, <laughs> the Disabled Rugby League World Cup. I've been well served by global tournaments. Um, yeah, gunshot for the Rugby League. That, that, the, the, the promo and the marketing on that was A1. DC? Can we get a sound, um, can we get but, a sound bug? Yeah. <laughs> sport, especially international sport about escapism. I cannot escape what is going on in. Uh, I cannot escape what is going on in uh, Qatar with regards to their treatment of queer communities, um, with regards to their treatment of migrant workers, um, with regards to 
all of the issues that are there. This is not me saying that those issues do not exist in this country. We've got three and a half years of podcast that talks about the fuckeries that go on in this country. But it's meant to be escapism. It's not helping me escape. But more than that, if I'm gonna if I if I can keep it really, really real, I remember what happened with the Euros and I'm just not investing in a tournament where we you know, the first game for England, five five of the goals were scored by black players. We know if they hit a crossbar or they get a six out of ten in a game where England get knocked out, we know what's going to happen on Twitter. Do not try and tell me that football brings people together when the if it's conditional upon them being world champions. I'm just not for it. But how are you guys enjoying it? That ain't what football's for. The football isn't to bring people together. <laughs> That's not what football's for. <laughs> Football is bipartisan. Just go and have a shout. Go and be happy, go and be angry, go and get all of those emotions out. And when I was watching on Monday, I felt like a proud big brother. It made me happy to see Bukayo up there doing his thing on the world stage. And those are little things I can't remove myself from that. Try as I may, I can very much be against what's happening in Qatar. I can be very, very, very much against FIFA, this non-profit organisation in which every single person seems to be a millionaire. But at the same time, I can't get away from the fact that when I see Bukayo smiling from ear to ear, when I see the same with Marcus Rashford, when I see all of them doing the thing on the world stage, I feel something that I don't want people to take away from me. So I'm in. I wasn't intending to be this much in, but I'm in. I I was watching Morocco this morning. <laughs> like, no shade to Morocco, but I shouldn't be watching Morocco at 10 o'clock. But I'm in now. I'm in. I find this conversation really interesting because... Um, well, kind of exactly what you said. Like, I, I was having a conversation where I am like you, Angelo. I will not be watching the World Cup or supporting the World Cup. And actually, I made this decision after, you know, learning about the, the civil rights atrocities happening over there, but then also, like, the modern slavery and that, and I just don't want to support it. Um, but I actually was learning about the 1984 Olympics in LA and what was happening. Yeah, and I don't want to get too far into it, but it had me reflecting on the 2028 Olympics that's happening in the UK. The fact that <laughs> it's going to lose money, that it's a how it's affecting communities and especially black and brown communities. Um, the fact that we were basically policed during that time. And so I'm just looking at these things like the World Cup, like the Euros, where it's like, do I really need to support support these things? And so I was talking to Nick about this and he was like, yes, but you not watching is not going to make a big difference to <laughs> what is, <laughs> it's not gonna make a difference. And I'm sorry that maybe I'm throwing him under the bus. And my whole argument is like, yes, it's it, me not watching is not gonna make a difference, but I can't sit here and say, I'm against this, I'm against this, I'm against that, but I'm still going to watch it. Because ultimately, that is how I'm contributing my dollars. That's how this thing... Like, if everybody's like, yes, we condemn this, but we're still going to watch it, we're still going to play, we're still going to buy tickets, we're still going to go. Mm. Okay, so then... So literally, there's no... There's, like, nothing well, is different like here. we're but... all so selective with this, though, because I no, agree. No, 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 I agree, I agree, I, think... I agree, because we can be massively no. against Qatar, which everyone on this podcast is 100% mm-hmm. fair. But the mm-hmm. real, real culprits here is FIFA. Uh, it's yes, always going to be agree. FIFA, mm-hmm. always going to be FIFA. No, 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 and then no. the amount of corporations that we uphold that are doing horrific things as well, but we still buy the products because it comes tomorrow. We still do all this. I hate so much... Sorry, Alana, no. about the USA. But still, yeah, I but enjoy it's, all it's their not... music. I enjoy all their sports. I enjoy all their entertainments. And I still buy into it. And I always said to myself, and this is very apt as well because we were just talking about anti-Semitism. I have often said, I don't think I feel comfortable going to Israel for certain various different reasons. But then at the same time, I was in the USA a couple of weeks uh, ago. Uh, Would I go to Russia? It's, and it's I just the, got back from Israel, it, so well, don't this, be this, this, this is the thing. This yeah. is the thing. Yeah, so just, much, we're so selective with our outrage. So it just it feels to me like so much of it is. Mm. And I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say anybody is doing this, but I feel like there are certain elements of virtue signaling with it. Mm. I'm not saying that's everyone at all. But I that's agree. How it comes across can I just me. say something really quickly? The only thing that I'll say is yes, I do think people can be selective. But my point was like for me. The LA Olympics, for instance, was something that I was really looking forward to. I was like, I'm going to be there. It's in LA. I'm yeah. going. 
And it sucks that I'm going to have to kind of be like, I don't know if I'm actually really comfortable in supporting this thing that disenfranchises so many people. Yeah, so really. I've, I've, I've changed. And the last World Cup, I was so thrilled and it was such an amazing energy and yes i want to support those players and i don't think it that, should was, be in, on that them. was in russia though that was in russia i know but this i've learned thing. i've learned more and that's what i'm saying is that i've learned more i'm trying to do do differently I mean, fuck fifa there are a few <laughs> there are a few layers to that one we are humans so of course people are going to be selective of course people are going to be hypocritical i'm sorry but there is nothing to me worse than the idea that if unless you do everything you cannot do that then you I can't agree. no you're I not agree. it's exactly the opposite of what you're saying because you're saying no it's, it's not i'm saying that there does seem to be a level that isn't particularly honest by people but i i live by the same morals i'm obviously the certain things i just said it with israel versus the us versus I, russia so i'm saying that i'm flawed in that exact same way and that's how i feel the, yeah. the world cup is being covered as well mm. I mean, it's yeah it's an interesting one I, I with the travel thing i draw a line i think at going to places where they're bombing people in that exact place at that time that i'm there i can't be going eating out in dinner when there's shells literally flying through the sky to people like, that's and yeah maybe that is uh selective but that's just where i've drawn my line and i think people are like that people yeah. are going to be people are going to have blind spots or prejudices or whatever um i think we've given into capitalism that's what you're yeah. saying here that ultimately yeah. we've given into capitalism because yeah. like infantino basically said you can't do shit you cannot do anything so <laughs> you brass go, neck as well. you are going to hold this world cup because you are all hypocrites Sir blatter would have been proud of infantino Ex- earlier this week. exactly <laughs> he's like you are going to hold this you are oh booze ban not in the boxes <laughs> <laughs> have you not got box money because if you've got box money you can drink all the Budweiser you want not just Budweiser we've got spirits up in there they're yakking in the, in the boxes <laughs> but if you haven't got box money you better get yourself outside that zone over to the fire festival and watch a game on a screen we, that's it we've, we've, lion. <laughs> <laughs> we've simply given in to capitalism that's, and that is you know that, yeah. this, this is a sorry, it's a sorry fact of it with regards to watching the, the thing I you know I construct my own rules. It's like the year when I said I'm not going to buy anything for an entire year. <laughs> I said, except if I get gifted something or if it's a birthday or something. You can stretch those two however you want. So yeah, I you was, can always set your own rules. Exactly. But, so yeah. it's like I'm not watching it yet. So I've literally watched, they did a watch party at work for the, for the England game because my colleagues like hosted it. So I stood and watched it and I was being paid to do that. And I've not watched any games today where I was at home. I'll pull up some tweets. Just because I was busy. I was, that was from the watch party with my Budweiser beer and my crisps and my pizza. Think about the sponsors, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But it's, it's yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, everyone makes their own rules. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not currently excited by it. Like everyone, the WhatsApp's popping. Everyone's like, "It's the best World Cup ever." We've had two massive shocks. England are beating someone six, whatever. Uh, France were whooping someone yesterday. I will undoubtedly, at some point, get carried away. But I just, I don't know. It's, I in in the, the WhatsApp group's been really interesting because everyone was like, "Oh, this is a terrible World Cup." And then it's quickly, or by day three, when the BBC spoke about, had put a piece on about it being the, like this Carbon Zero World Cup, it just a little investigation to it not being it. And they were like, oh, for God's sake, they're talking about this again. We get it. They're going to give it up. And I was like, bro, it's, it's three days in. <laughs> the, the, it's, the, it's the third time they've sped something which is not positive. You've had 120 minutes of them talking about the game. I think it's only fair that they they highlight these issues. So, and, uh, I I I hope that the BBC carry on their personal beef with the, with the organisers. Be interesting to see if it continues or not. But yeah, it's I think the World Cup has has really sort of revealed that ultimately the show is going to go on where 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 capitalism reigns. And they know how to get to us, bread circuses, and endless injury time. <laughs> that is great. But let's not hide away from the fact as well that football 
is more of a religion than religion to a lot of people in this country, yeah. right? No, they, no, they, no, no, this is important. This they, is important because all the stuff about capitalism is real and it's true and it is factual, right? It is. But then at the same time, there is a huge number of people, myself included, that have all of those views and opinions and are completely singing from that same hymn sheet, but also fucking love football. Mm-hmm. And I want to watch because that is, again, escapism for me. Like, if I get to watch my team playing for, for 120 minutes now, apparently, it's great. I love that because there's so many highs and lows I feel in that, that time. A lot of the time, that's how certain people feel most alive. And it's difficult, I think, to expect people to shy away from that when it is something that is so important to their overall life. I think I think just what I... And I understand that. I think for me, my argument is just you... You can disagree with what's happening in this World Cup and you could be a huge football, you know, a diehard. But just understand that you are giving your viewership, you're giving some dollars to this thing Mm. that you are highly criticizing. So don't tell me, like, I just think that... I just love football. I, I just want there to be an acknowledgement because what I don't like is the like, yeah, but I'm super against it. I'm like, I that's fine. You can be morally against it, but you're still giving them the thing that they want, which is why they're hosting this. But they've already got the it. <laughs> they do, of course. And that's what it comes. Yeah, like one person, sure, that's not going to. But I, I've just seen a lot of things where people are offering a lot of criticism, but then they're not changing their behaviors. So I'm like, yes, yeah, so you can still highlight these things. But also just know that unless you're going to change your behaviors, like we were talking about that corrective action, if you're not going to like actually sacrifice something of yourself to like stand in what you're saying, you're still ultimately contributing to this thing. I've already done my bit of sacrifice. I was actually offered several tickets gratis because I've got a few friends in high places and whatnot. I chose not to go. I chose not to go. I I don't want to go contribute to this fuckery with my own money. I I don't know if you guys (laughs) can hear this on the mic, but this is the world's tiniest violin for dogs. I'm not not looking for any kind of sympathy whatsoever. I didn't want to go. I absolutely did not want to go. Because up until probably about three minutes to one on Monday, I didn't give two fucks about this walk. <laughs> and then I saw my little black boys lining up. I mean, up. I yeah, that like, oh, is, shit, it is I'm great. That I'm is great. Now. That is great. It's and this that I'm, I'm glad you 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 raised that about the corrective behaviour. This nonsense with the armbands. Oh my god! <laughs> that that has angered me beyond belief. Like. Why make a big deal over it? The, the Wait, entire... what is this? Can you check? Because I am not so, tuned into this at basically, all. Basically, the plan was for a bunch of different teams, England, Germany, a few others, uh, maybe France, to wear this one love armband with a rainbow Oh, the it. rainbow. Yeah, okay. And they were like, can we wear it? Can we not? Can we wear it? Can we not? And FIFA were like, no, you can't. You might get it. And there was this threat that they were going to potentially get a yellow card for making a statement for wearing this armband like, straight away. That has always been a rule. That's been in the rule book. So it's not a new thing. They were just threatening to enforce it. And the FA cowardly like backed down because they're like, well, we want to make a statement, but we don't want to put our players in a situation where they face a sporting penalty. Heaven forbid someone playing football in this tournament gets a yellow card. <laughs> there are so <sighs> many like there are so many ways you can make <laughs> that point. Give the armband to Pickford. Let your goalkeeper take, and let's see, let everyone in the world see him take that yellow one minute in and then give someone else the armband. Let, have them yellow card every single player and we'll see that. How how far are you willing to go with this? Yeah. Because it, it was the most, it's, if you are not prepared to accept the sanction that comes with it, don't make the point in the first place that you, you, you are, you're fighting for these people's rights because you're not really an ally. <laughs> If it doesn't cost you anything, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe it. Well, I can't believe it. And I mean, God bless Alex Scott for wearing it. But what are you wearing it for? You're not good. You're not risking anything. You see Infantino <laughs> today. Oh my goodness! Up in the box, I think it was the Germany Japan game. Yeah. Sat with someone from the German sporting hierarchy mm. who was wearing the armband whilst the German players covered their mouths instead of wearing the armband. It's just all Everyone's fucking like, stupid. What a powerful statement! Like, I, I mean, with the bet, like what? It's a bigger statement to wear the armband and get booked. If you yeah. want to make a statement, do that, it. That is my point. That is my point. It is nonsense, but 
Big up Bukayo Saka. Big up all the mandem and wherever you are, Jaden Sancho, we're thinking of you. I know. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. It's only these ones that are on the on the ground at the moment that count. Boots, boots on the ground, balls in the net. <laughs> <laughs> Accidental partridge. <laughs> Accidental partridge. This has been another black in a box comedy meets tragedy. Tragedy. Thank you. What do you think of the new around the new surroundings before we wrap up? Salubrious. <laughs> it's real brick. That's real brick. It's real brick. I, I thought fa- it might yeah, be after I knocked on it, it I found out. Yeah. I like the individual chairs. Ali sorted to posture out. I've got my own mic. I've been like, um, is it getting to the Greek where my man can't get comfortable on the seat because he's not, he's, well, he's very, very no, high. No. I've been in about 15 different. When he's it, just like. It's, it's be cool. <laughs> it's be cool when no one can sit in the <laughs> chair. It, yeah. No one can sit in a little corner chair and everyone spends a whole film. <laughs> just trying to put their well, legs. This is the thing. I'm not used to this seat, so I've been in about 27 different <laughs> positions, but wonderful. I like the little fake plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll type the engineer out here. He's doing his thing. Jello. Yo, yo. Stay well, people. Stay well, my brother. Get rid of that fucking mustache. <laughs> <laughs> we out. <laughs>